The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Here's a question. Could Canada's next chief of defense staff be a woman? That's what many are wondering following news of the impending departure of the country's top soldier. General Jonathan Vance announced last week that he will be relinquishing his position in the months ahead. The search is now on and international affairs columnist and foreign correspondent Matthew Fisher penned a column exclusive to globalnews.ca musing about who might be next in line. Matthew, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Very nice to be uh, back in your neck of the woods. (laughs) Question for you, and because I didn't have the answer uh, before, um, when it comes to General Vance deciding to, quote, relinquish his position, uh, we heard lots of talk for many, many years that he was waiting to get the nod for this NATO position, that uh, Justin Trudeau did not recommend him for it. Do we know why that happened or any speculation as to why General Vance, who has, uh, you know, a laundry list of uh, experience uh, in numerous roles would not have been recommended for that position by the Trudeau government? I have it on pretty good authority that the Prime Minister provided no explanation whatsoever to uh, Jonathan Vance about why he did not want him to represent Canada at NATO. Uh, So uh, I think we are left just with speculation and nothing but speculation. I I think it, uh, what you hear in Ottawa is that it was pettiness, it was spite because Trudeau did not get what he badly wanted in in New York. And so uh, he uh, did not want uh, Vance to be able to get what he was not able to achieve. Uh, Also, um, you would hear within the same argument that he thought since Canada lost and was humiliated in New York, it couldn't stand to lose again at NATO. Mm. But there's a very big difference there because uh, Vance was practically a shoe-in to get mm-hmm. the job at NATO. Nobody going into the UN Security Council vote thought Canada was going to get it except maybe the Prime Minister himself. So by not having someone with the experience, the tenure that uh, General Vance has going into NATO, I mean, that's that's a real loss for Canada, isn't it? Well, it's a terrible loss because the world is in a state of tumult right now. It always seems yeah. to be in a state of tumult. But now more than ever, and the coronavirus introduces new elements to all of this. Uh, NATO wants to make a push about uh, promoting women and uh, giving them a greater role in the alliance. Uh, Vance has been uh, a key part of pushing that in Canada. And on security questions and intelligence, Canada badly needs people at the table who get mm-hmm. firsthand information, whether it's about the Black Sea, the Baltic, what Russia's doing there, or in Ukraine, or uh, in the Middle East, and now with China, with designs on the Arctic, uh, all of those things. It's far more important for a country to have somebody chairing every meeting for three or four years 
than to uh, be out of the orbit. And so that is what Canada's walked away from. And it looks ridiculous given how much the Prime Minister said Canada is back. We're going to be mm. a player internationally. To have such an opportunity and walk away from it, to me, is baffling and beyond stupid. But you suggest in your uh, in your column that this is just you know you know a par for for Trudeau, suggesting that he doesn't have a lot of time at all for the Canadian Armed Forces, maybe just showing up for the photo ops when necessary. Well, that is what he's done. It took him about two years, I think, before he even spent a minute with the military. And then it was to go jogging for sort of those hero shots he likes with the soldiers behind him. I think it was in Victoria, the the first photos that appeared like that. But the prime minister chose uh, to give uh, Canada a very small UN peacekeeping contribution in Mali. He did not Mm -hmm. keep it long. He chose to put Canada in Latvia as one of the lead nations, but with the smallest force by far. We lead with 450 soldiers. The other three countries, Germany, the United Kingdom, and the United States, lead similar groups in neighboring countries with over 1,000 troops. Canada's contingents in Iraq, also very small. Uh, Canada's not done a lot under Trudeau's watch, the delays on the f 35 Mm. while the delays on shipbuilding, all of these things show the Prime Minister is not much interested. An interesting white paper was produced, Vance had a big hand in writing it, but all the money for that was backloaded into uh, a third term. If Trudeau was to get a third term, we'd start to look at some of those monies. Well, yeah, and I'm wondering what that would look like. If Trudeau does get a third term, what does that mean for Canada's uh, military? We know that 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 money has been pushed back. And, um, you know, we talk about, um, you know, defense spending, the the 2% uh, of GDP. And um, do you you believe that we would get there under a, a Trudeau government? I don't see how we're going to, particularly with the coronavirus. And we were not making any movement towards 2% before. Trudeau followed Stephen Harper and both pledged the same thing. We would meet that 2%. uh, And we're now at uh, 1.1%. The government, with some fancy stick handling, says it's 1.23%. But whatever it is, we are many billions of dollars short, while Australia has just announced an increase in defense spending of 40 percent and now the coronavirus is going to be used again and again for an excuse to not spend on a number of things and particularly defense and security but other countries despite the coronavirus nobody is slashing military budgets because of that because china is using the coronavirus as an opportunity to get up to all kinds of things so is vladimir putin it's not the time to cut in defense but i can expect that if we get four or six more years of uh, Justin Trudeau, that is very likely to happen. You say in the column that there's been widespread widespread speculation in the forces that Trudeau wanted to be the first leader of a NATO country to appoint a woman as his top soldier. Uh, Slovenia beat him to it. If that's the case, although he wouldn't be the first, who is at the top of the list, do you believe? Well, it's a very long list. I counted a dozen, and then I got replies from a number of senior generals today um, (laughs) in emails that I'd forgotten two or three names. So maybe it's 15 people, not a dozen. Mm. There are three women who would be uh, candidates. Uh, I know two of the three quite well. 
and the third I, I know by reputation. Uh, I think they are all competent. Uh, they bring different strengths. Uh, they, I think, in different ways would be good in the role. The problem for them if they get the mm. job is they will be stigmatized from the get-go with their Absolutely. colleagues because of this widespread notion that the Prime Minister wants uh, only to promote women. We saw this with the head of the RCMP. We've seen it with his uh, uh, diktat that half of Canada's ambassadors must be female. Our ambassador to Washington, for example, is a female. I'm not saying she's not qualified. I hear very good things about her. Mm. But nevertheless, the idea out there is that this is what the Prime Minister does, and this would undermine a woman. The leading candidate would be Lieutenant General Christine Whitecross. I was with mm -hmm. her a lot in Afghanistan. She served on General Petraeus, a rather well-known American general yes. staff in Kabul. She's an aircraft engineer. Uh, she just, uh, her most recent job, which she ended, I think, last week, last Thursday, was as the commandant of the NATO uh, Defense uh, College in Rome. She's also served in the Balkans. Uh, she is uh, quite a tough person. Uh, I know her and her husband reasonably well, her husband Ian. They have uh, quite a few kids of their own. She's also been a foster mother to 33 mm. children. Uh, well. She's a, a remarkable woman in many ways, and she is the most experienced. She's the oldest of them. The other two uh, are, are more green and wouldn't probably be your first choices just in terms of experience. They are Frances Allen, a very affable, bright woman, a lieutenant general recently appointed who will be Canada's representative at NATO. Uh, her specialty laterally in the forces for several years has been uh, as a um, cyber warfare expert. That is a big new realm that NATO and Canada have to get into. Um, but she doesn't have a lot of experience. The third woman is Major General Jenny Carignan, uh, a combat engineer, the top woman in combat arms, did a tremendous job in Kandahar as the task force engineer mm -hmm. for the Canadian. She's commanded troops in Quebec. Uh, but she is, like Frances Allen, a bit younger. Both of them really would be great candidates next time rather than this time, but they could be yeah. chosen. White Cross is getting out. She's got a, uh, uh, she was to retire in September, but she's not retired. She's still totally eligible. And uh, uh, if I were placing money, if it is a woman, I'd, I'd still put it on Christine White Cross. I've been in the room with, uh, been in a room with uh, Lieutenant General Whitecross, and she has quite the presence. And I, and I really in, enjoyed speaking with her and uh, and listening to her uh, speak. And uh, again, uh, for those who don't know, she was. Um, she ran the uh, Canadian Forces Strategic Response Team on sexual misconduct. She did the report into that. When it comes to the other candidates, when you look at who's already serve or, you know, serving in the in the top roles in the in the Air Force, in the Navy, and in the Army, um, is there someone obvious right there? I, I'm wondering about uh, you know Lieutenant General uh, Meinzinger with the with the Air Force, Lieutenant General Air, uh, both of them with with ties back here to Edmonton. I'm thinking that General Eyre might be um, someone that a lot of people think could be um, a front-runner. Uh, well, uh, General Eyre uh, is uh, probably regarded within the military 
as the smartest, most intellectual serving officer. Um, you're quite right. I met him in his office in Edmonton, out by yep. uh, the old municipal airport uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago. He went on and he served in uh, South Korea as the mm-hmm. number two to the United Nations command there, which is really an American command. But uh, he has good American contacts, has an Asian perspective uh, that would be excellent. Uh, he's very bookish and quiet. That may be what the Prime Minister wants, somebody who is not out there, a swashbuckling general. If so, uh, air would be a tremendous choice. Meinzinger, I've flown with uh, in Europe and into Afghanistan. Uh, I've seen him in Afghanistan. He has some forward-deployed experience. Uh, He is fairly new into the Air Force job. He isn't the first name that springs to mind, but he is very collegial. He gets along with a lot of people. And in the top job, uh, that is a great attribute. So I I would not rule out any of them. The problem is what the Prime Minister faces is almost all the leading candidates, Meinsinger is an exception, but almost all of the leading candidates among the males are from the Army and from combat arms in Afghanistan. That doesn't mean they're not great soldiers or good candidates, but it doesn't it kind of limits the choice could we pull anyone out of retirement matthew there are uh, the guy that i would like to see come out of retirement uh, uh, and i spoke with him this morning is simon hetherington he's a major general just retired last year who was our attache in washington uh was a number two in an american airborne uh core down there <laughs> uh, served three tours, I believe, in Afghanistan, Uh, a tremendous man, a leader, very, very well-liked, and more recently retired, and a three-star, the former vice chief, the number two in the forces, uh, Jean-Marc Lantier, uh, and uh, he is is a soldier's soldier. He looks the part. He's very judicious, very fair, highly, highly respected by the troops, but uh, both of them are sort of out of the action, although you're quite right. Legally, uh, they still can be asked to come back to serve. There's Mm. no complication there, whether they want the jobs or not or something else. Yeah, I'm going to have to send a message to uh, Simon Hetherington <laughs> following that mention. Uh, and again, he was the commanding officer of uh, 3rd Canadian Division here a, a he few was years too, back. He was, and I met yeah. him in a, in a pizza restaurant about uh, <laughs> 300 yards from the base, and we had about yeah. a four-hour chat there one day. Yeah, he's fanta- He's a fantastic fellow as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. If you were a betting man, Matthew, w- where would you lay your bets? I would say if it's a, a woman, uh, Christine Whitecross, but I don't mm-hmm. rule out the other two candidates at all. And if it's a man, I would say there's a good chance it will be Air. Uh, he's not that long in the Army job, but he's had mm-hmm. a lot of experience. He's also like Simon Hetherington and so many others, Christine Whitecross, Jenny Carignan, an Afghan hand. And uh, that still counts in the Canadian military. But we don't really know what counts with the prime minister. And in the U.S., well, they it. have Senate hearings and whatnot. To, uh, the president selects, but they must go through a big approval process. In Canada, it is solely the prime minister's prerogative. He interviews the two or three or five candidates he wants to, and he chooses. So it's an opaque mm. progr- uh, process. And I don't really understand the prime minister's mind on some things. Uh, and so I, I can't. <laughs> speak for him. Matthew, always great to talk with you. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. Thank you very much.